0: Christchurch, New Malden, 4th of August 2019, 6.30 service. Nathan Larkin speaking on A Christian Who Changed My Life. It was really nice getting to hear some of your people who have impacted your life. and I, I'm really quite excited about this series. And When I started to think about it, I, I remembered a story that I'd heard lately about a friend who they were out having dinner uh, with someone that they hadn't seen in about 15 years They were enjoying catching up, uh, but after a little bit of sort of chit-chat and reminiscing, one friend said to the other that they had something they really wanted to say. Intrigued, the other said, yeah, of course, but they were completely taken aback by what was said next. The friend proceeded to tell her that the positive impact that they had made on her life had completely shaped who they were today. They listed a series of scenarios and gestures of kindness and and examples of true friendship that they'd had between them during their years in school. And they said that they'd been really supportive during a really difficult time. And that she had challenged and motivated her to find her true talents and to break out of her shell. And all of that combined, she said she just wanted to thank her for being such a great friend and an inspiration. But the other friend was shocked. And she was shocked because she had no clue what she had done or said that had been so impactful. In her eyes she was just being a friend but in her friend's eyes she had been so much more. Now maybe you can think back to a time when someone maybe even unknowingly made an impact on your life. Maybe you can think to someone in your life who helped shape you into who you are today simply by being a great presence in your life. Or maybe it's been you who has had someone thanking you for being a great influence in their life. I just think it's really powerful when you think of the many people who have come and gone in our lives that leave an imprint. And that's what this series is going to be all about during August. People who have in one way or another had an impact in our lives. And tonight I'm going to be talking about someone who's been really important to me. This is Gerald um, and as far back as I can remember, Gerald has been a part of my life. Um, as I've spoken about before, I grew up in a really traditional, quite conservative Baptist church in Northern Ireland, and um, just outside of Belfast. And um, this is it, actually. This is Newtonard's Baptist Church. And Gerald, he was a friend of our family. He didn't go to the same church, but Christian circles in Northern Ireland are very small. And Baptist Christian circles are even smaller. And so Gerald was a part of another Baptist church, but was really very involved in youth work right across the Baptist network. Most importantly, though, he and my dad were really good friends. They'd both grown up on, how do you put it, um, the the wrong side of the tracks in quite a divided Belfast at that time. They both came from families who had been in and around the the centre of the Troubles, and had had a certain amount of contact with paramilitary activity. And although they didn't meet each other till later in life, they both had a similar experience of coming to faith in their late teens and this determination and resolution to distance themselves from that toxic environment of sectarian violence and hatred that they grew up in. My dad, he trained to be an electrical engineer. He met my mum and moved away from Belfast. Um, But Gerald, he took the brave decision to remain in Belfast and to tackle some of the troubles he'd witnessed head-on by joining the Royal Ulster Constabulary, or the RUC, which was the police force at the time in Northern Ireland. Now Gerald, obviously this is a long time before I was around, and and Gerald didn't talk a lot to me about his time in the RUC. He would sometimes recall funny moments and silly situations he found himself in, which led to me as a child really assuming that it was quite a fun job, um, you know, complete with training in about 20 ways to pin an energetic boy who was desperate for a scrap to the floor, um, or also, you know, this kind of Vulcan death pinch that he somehow had learned um, and, and could, like, paralyze me with one grip. And and these are the things I thought being in the RUC were were about. Still quite not figured out that death grip, but yeah. Um, But needless to say, in my mind, Gerald could do no wrong. He was like this sort of fun uncle, always full of jokes and banter. And now, as an adult, reflecting back, I now realise that a lot of that joking was to cover up some of the really traumatic things that he will have witnessed and been exposed to as a policeman in Northern Ireland during those dark times. RUC officers were at the forefront of... All of that violence almost always one of the first on the scenes in the aftermath of bombings and terrorist attacks and speaking to some of my friends parents who were also working for the police during those times some of the things that they saw and had to do were things that in their words would would never leave them but also as an RUC officer you were a massive target and uh, it was no different for Gerald. Gerald actually survived at least two attempts on his life. One, quite amazingly, was when he was uh, coming back to his car, spotted that there was an explosive life device had been attached to the underside, and he saw the reflection of it in a puddle of water. And that was how he managed to um, escape um, what probably would have killed him. But I don't know all of the details about why Gerald had to leave the police. All I know is that he was injured in the line of duty and that it had something to do with that. As a kid you just don't think to ask those kinds of questions but what I do know is that through those years in the police Gerald's faith had grown even stronger. He threw himself into youth work at church, he went on to train in ministry, And he eventually became really involved in the Baptist youth movement across all of Northern Ireland. Gerald would arrange camps, a bit like what Stephen um, was talking about going on. He would arrange those camps. He arranged evangelism teams every summer and he would throw massive Christmas parties that young people would travel from all over Northern Ireland to be a part of. He would visit churches to speak. He would go as guest speaker on their church weekends. And this is what Gerald did. I eventually became the chief chaplain to police in Ireland and the chaplain of Firefighters for Christ in Ireland as well. And these were all roles that he really thrived in and I'm sure done amazing things in, but that wasn't the sphere that I interacted with him in. Um, He always, through all of that, maintained this passion for young people. And in so many ways, Gerald's life was really inspirational, but that's not what had the biggest impact on me. You see, those things were really impressive, and maybe as I look back now I wish I could tell my younger self to ask more about that while I had the chance, but to me Gerald was just this amazing guy that I really looked up to and liked spending time with. Now back home it's not unusual for people to just show up at your house at any time of day, completely unannounced, and come in for a cup of tea, sometimes even sort of invite themselves for dinner. And that's just what you get used to when you live in Northern Ireland. And so when there was a knock on the door late in the evenings, as I was getting ready for bed, I would always be excited to see if it was Gerald, who, much to my mum's annoyance, had a habit of calling really quite late in the evening. But I loved it. Any time I could spend with Gerald was a bonus, and I was always happy to see him. See, what stood out to me about him was a number of things, but none more so than how he treated me. I was probably... This, like, really annoying little kid who wanted to scrap and jump around and stay up late while he was probably just there for a cup of tea and a chat with my dad. But he always greeted me enthusiastically. Never dismissed me or skipped past my attention to have proper conversations with the grown-ups. And growing up in church, I became used to adults talking seriously about things that were none of my business. But Gerald, unlike the rest, always included me in the conversations. And, you know, now as an adult, it reminds me of that passage we've just heard read a minute ago, where Paul tells a younger Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. And actually, as I spent a bit of time reflecting on that passage in the last week or two, I've realised that there's loads of things within it that resonate with why Gerald has had such an impact on me. And the first thing I think I learned from him was that Christians don't have to be boring. As I said, I, I came from a very serious church full of a lot of old grey-haired men. Not that there's anything wrong with old grey-haired men. <laughs> but um, that, that's, as a child, what I, what I looked up and saw. And lots of ladies in funny hats. That's how I remember it. And don't get me wrong, I loved most parts of my growing up there and I was incredibly loved and well-looked after, Um, but I couldn't help myself from thinking that being a Christian was a little boring. And that the impression I'd been given, really, was that it was more about what you couldn't do or shouldn't do than what you could do. But Gerald showed me that it didn't have to be like that. And in this passage, in verse 4, it says, everything God created is good, And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. And as I mentioned, Gerald was full of fun and jokes. And they showed me that being a Christian wasn't always about denying ourselves or avoiding anything fun, but that when putting things in their right place, below God, that everything was there to be enjoyed. Even serious things like the Bible. Gerald became famous for the cards he would send. Um, even today, my mum will often include like a little Bible reference at the bottom of a birthday card or an anniversary card. And then, you know, you've got to go and look it up and see what it is. And it's usually an encouraging verse or an inspiring message. Well, Gerald did this too, but in his own way. I can remember that when I was turning 18 and could now vote, um, he, he sent me a birthday card. Um, and the reference in it was Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2. When I looked it up, it says this a wise man's heart directs him to the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him towards the left. You can probably learn more about his political um, <laughs> leanings there than anything else, but <laughs> he, he thought that was funny. Or or some friends of mine who were getting married, they, they got a wedding card from him with Genesis 2, 25 written in it. And again, they thought maybe this will be some kind of encouraging, spiritually uplifting message. And when they looked it up, it simply said, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. <laughs> But my favourite was when I passed my driving test and I got a card from Gerald with 2 Kings 9.20 on it. When I looked that one up, it said, the driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. (laughs) (laughs) But all of that was just really typical Gerald, full of jokes and fun, and this amazing ability to find joy in all things. And that's something that really sticks with me. And it's a challenge I want to take on. how often are we able to find joy in small things do you ever feel like life is dragging you down like it's harder and harder to see the light at the end of the tunnel maybe at times we've so succumbed to negativity or negative thinking that it's really hard to find our way out i've found myself feeling like that at times before but let's remember paul's words that god has created a good world for us to enjoy so let's not forget to enjoy it now you could be forgiven for thinking that someone like gerald just nothing is to be taken seriously and i've met people like that as well everything's a joke and um kind of yeah it's very hard to to find anything serious but actually the second lesson i take from both him and paul is this that faith it's a serious business. There's him pulling a serious face. I actually realised I have very few photos of Gerald, um, so that was, that was a bit sad when I went to put this together. But Paul, he challenges Timothy to train himself to be godly. And he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, Gerald joked a lot, but there was nothing more important to him than his faith and encouraging faith in others. And I found that really inspiring. Not only could you be funny and popular and kind, but you could actually do it while taking faith really seriously. And I'm so grateful to loads of people in my life who from a really early age made it clear to me what my priorities should be. School was important. Uh, The sports that I was involved with were important, my friends were important, but what comes first is God. In that order, you know, God first, anything else below. And all of those really good things in life find their best expression when they're integrated into my faith. And that's a lesson that I'm still so grateful for. You know, I was taught that when the Bible says to seek God first, that it really means it. And Although it is still really easy to get our priorities wrong at times, that's still something we should be aiming for. Now, I, a little bit like Timothy, was involved in in ministry from quite a young age. I helped lead the Christian Union at my school. Um, I ran daily prayer meeting in the library in the mornings, though it's usually more like a breakfast club with two minutes of prayer at the end. Um, But I would go uh, as a leader to these camps and these evangelism teams that I mentioned before. And some of these were led by Gerald, others weren't. But what was really amazing, thinking back, was that even when I was leading on a team that Gerald wasn't involved with, he would almost always make an effort to come along to see how it was going, just a visit to visit, to encourage me and to give us a pat on the back and say, well done, keep going. And again, I'm, I'm so thankful for those opportunities early in my life to find my place in God's mission, to be used to see and to believe that I actually had something to offer. Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. but You can set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest gifts that Gerald gave to me, was this confidence that even though I was young, that I had something to offer, that I could be even an example to adults. And I do wonder if some of the encouragement that I received from him has led to my desire to see young people flourish today. Paul, he challenges Timothy as well, not just encourage. He says, don't neglect your gift. And we each have a role to play in the family of God, young and old. Maybe you still aren't completely sure what it is that you can offer. But I can promise you, you have something to offer. Maybe you haven't had someone encourage you to explore your gifts. Or perhaps you haven't, but I can promise that there is some role for you in this mission. So you bring something unique to God's mission. So don't ever give up on finding that area that you can serve. And what about encouraging others? Perhaps that could be your gift. The people that I've interacted with who've made the most positive impact on the world, they don't seem to settle for just the average When they see something that's not right, they strive to understand it, to know what's going on, to get to the root of the issue. They observe gaps and things that that they think, why is that like that? And they offer solutions. They want to change the world because they believe that the world can be better. So they challenge you not just to, to invest in what already is, but to invest in what can be. You know, we've got some amazing people at this church we've got amazing young people at this church how can you encourage them how can you learn from them and what might what might you be able to inspire them to do to so share what you know encourage others to grow and it may mean a bit more of a background role for us but what an important legacy to leave now You may well be thinking this Gerald guy sounds like he can do no wrong. Was he perfect? Well, no, of course he wasn't. As with any of us, he had his flaws, probably more than I ever had a chance to know. But what makes me really sad about Gerald is that I never had a proper chance to say goodbye. In 2007, uh, he wrote a reference for me as I came to join Oxygen for my gap year. And it's strangely a piece of paper I really cherish. And in it, as always, he's full of kind words and encouragement. And he promised oxygen that I would give my all to whatever I put my hand up to, and that I would serve in whatever way I could because of my love for the Lord. And that was probably the last thing that Gerald said to me before he died that November. I left to come here in September and he died, I heard in the November. See, Gerald had been ill for a while, but he hadn't told anyone. From what we could piece together later, he'd been diagnosed with cancer in the months before, but had decided that he wanted to keep on going until he couldn't anymore. And his death came as a massive shock to a lot of us. But you see, I think even in death, I learned from Gerald, and not just through all of the strengths that I've talked about, but also his weakness. Because for any of us, our biggest strengths can also easily become a weakness. It's like the two sides of a coin. In Gerald's life, he was selfless. He poured himself out in love and in support of others. He was always there when you needed him. He was always ready with a joke and encouragement, but he really struggled to let other people support him, even to the point that he hid his illness. I wish he hadn't. I wish I had the chance to support him like he had supported me, but he wasn't perfect. I traveled home for his funeral, not knowing what to expect. Um, not many people had, that I had been close to had ever died at that point and, and certainly not someone who had such a special role in my life. But what was absolutely incredible was that at this funeral it was, it was absolutely packed. The church had to use both halls as overflows and stream the service into the other buildings. And there were just so many different kinds of people there. Young people, old people, Christians, non-Christians, firefighters, policemen, church leaders, friends. But as i sat there and looked around at all of these people who knew gerald i thought what a privilege it's been to have this guy so interested in me in my life how fortunate have i been that he was special friends with my family but what happened next i wasn't expecting because the pastor who was leading the service said that he was going to do something he'd never done before at a funeral and he talked about what a unique guy gerald had been but he asked the people in the crowd to stand if you felt that Gerald had known you in a way that very few others did, to stand if he had played a major role in things like the career you had chosen, to stand if you felt that his impact on your life had been more than just the average, and finally to stand if Gerald had been the one who had led you to faith in God or inspired you to go deeper in your journey with God. And one by one people began to rise to their feet with the same look that I'm sure I had on my face. And it was a look of, but I thought I was the only one who had that kind of relationship with him. And you see, the amazing thing about Gerald was not just how many lives he touched, how many people he made to feel special, how he took time to understand them. All those late evening visits, all those cups of tea, all those silly cards. Gerald's gift was to see beyond what others saw and he encouraged people to follow hard after God, to truly become the people that God made them to be. I just think that's a really beautiful legacy. What a way to be remembered. I'm really challenged by Gerald's life. I feel privileged to have known him. But I can't help but wonder, what's my legacy going to be? And I wonder, you know, how are you going to be remembered? What impact do you have on the people around you? Do you brighten their day? Do you help them to find joy in the little things? So perhaps you could be like Paul, yes, challenging others to be their best, but also encouraging them in who they already are. How might you influence the people in your life? Maybe one day you too could be called a Christian who changed someone's life.